0: Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.
1: Hi and welcome to this edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name's Kevin Hilliard. Today, i are going to meet Kate Taholka. Now, Kate is the Plan Connect Manager with Encompass Community Services. And we've spoken to a couple of the members of uh, staff at Encompass in recent podcast episodes. Today, you'll meet Kate. Kate has her own challenges. She'll talk about those. And she'll talk about the great work she's doing with Encompass, who've moved into the city of Wyndham as well as uh, their home base, of course, in the city of Geelong. They're now in the city of Wyndham with offices open. Uh, We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the work that uh, Kate does and the work that uh, Compass Compass does, uh, which is uh, an organisation, a not-for-profit organisation that's been going now for just on 35 years uh, and helping people who have uh, physical, intellectual, sensory, psychological disabilities uh, to gain work and employment and put some value into their life. Their aim is to end damaging stigmas and stereotypes Stereotypes and open doors of opportunity for people, uh, and that's a that's a terrific mantra to have. One that uh, this podcast is very happy to be associated with, and uh, we're going to hear more of, of all of that work uh, from Kate, uh, who joins us now to have a chat from Encompass Community Services, the Plan Connect Manager. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Kate Holker. Kate, thank you for joining me on the Talking Windham podcast. Um, Firstly, tell us what your role is at Encompass.
0: So I am the Plan Connect Manager. So Plan Connect is our Support Coordination Division of Encompass. So Support Coordination is an NDIS-funded service. So we basically help people who have support coordination in the NDIS plan Basically, spend the money in their plans essentially. So, connect them to all the services that they need. Okay. So, tell us, take
1: us through your story.
0: Yeah. So, I'm actually an NDIS participant myself. So, I have hearing loss. So, um, when I was about 10 months old, I had meningitis. I'm very lucky to be alive, actually. Um, And I lost about 80% of my hearing. So, apparently, I was quite a stubborn child and I wouldn't get tested till (laughs) I was about grade prep. (laughs) So, I didn't get hearing aids till end of grade prep. Um, And so, I have, I rely quite a lot on lip reading. Yep. So, phones obviously very difficult for me. I have hearing aids. Um, But if you meet me, you wouldn't really know that I have it. So, I feel like I have what I call invisible disability.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, it's it's different. It's um it's a challenge, but I get by.
1: Yeah. Does it help in, in the role that you've got to understand what people are going through with what they, they're encountering?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as a participant, I had a really, really bad experience with NDIS. Um, I went through a whole year. So what had happened, right? So when you have hearing loss, you are connected to Hearing Australia until you're about 26 years of age, and then that's it. You stop. You don't get any support. So my audiologist told me, you should apply for NDIS, of course. Great, I would do that. So hang
1: on, at 26, that's it?
0: That's it until you're about 65 years of age. Oh, right. So your whole adulthood is just expected to pay for all that yourself. So hearing aids could be $6,000. So it's not cheap. Yeah. So my audiologist told me to go to NDIS. I was like, great. They wouldn't give me my hearing aids. (laughs) So they didn't believe, even though I've had my hearing aids since I was, what, six years old? Yeah. They didn't think I needed them. They thought, so with hearing aids, you have your basic level one to to level six, which is like your more high tech, complex ones. Mm -hmm. I'm about level five. And for whatever reason, NDIS believed that I could get back, um, get by on level one, even though I've been on level five my entire life. So it was a year long battle of dealing with NDIS to try and get this.
1: Was that based on any medical?
0: We could not understand it.
1: So it was basically a bureaucratic
0: We believe so. Decision. So we yeah. went through the whole year. So I didn't have hearing aids for the whole year. And I had a daughter. I oh, wow. had a baby. So people was born just before this had happened. So I didn't have any hearing aids for the first year of her life. Oh, wow. That's quite difficult. Yeah. I, mean, I want to make sure I can hear my child Yeah, crying and all those kind of things. And it was just a battle. So I know what it's like to deal with the NDIS. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. I try and use those experiences with my participants now. Yeah. So like, yes, it's quite difficult, but you have to really advocate for yourself. Yeah, you really do.
1: Yeah. That was at 26. Why did that happen at twenty? Why is 26 the magic age?
0: I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know the reasons behind that. So okay. It's always been that way.
1: You deal with people who are coming into that system, um, uh, and the bureaucracy is enormous. It's 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 overwhelming. The bureaucracy that's involved, the amount of forms you have to fill in, yeah. regardless of what your disability or uh, your challenge is. Um, when someone comes to sit with you and and talk about it, how do you how do you take them through that?
0: Well, it depends on the situation. So, with everyone has a different plan, yeah. right? And so basically I look at the situation and go, what do you need? And what yeah. has the NDIS actually given you? So when we try and balance that, so sometimes they may have a really great plan. They've got all the money they need to get all the supports they need. No problems there. But if that doesn't match up, if they don't have enough money in their plan to get all the supports they need, we have to have that conversation about well, what's really important right now. Let's yeah. prioritize that. So it's really difficult. And, with support coordination, we may get 20 hours in a plan for the whole year, or we may get 100 hours. So, it, that is so
1: what does that mean exactly?
0: So we are funded per hour. So if someone comes to us and they have 20 hours in their plan for support coordination,
1: oh, okay, yep.
0: I can only help them for 20 hours for that whole year. So that includes admin work, that includes phone calls, that includes all those things behind the scenes as well.
1: You spend 20 hours on the phone to NDIS without <laughs> batting an eyelid.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly. So when you've got someone has got a plan like that, I can't really do as much as I like. Yeah. They've got a lot more hours. We can spend more time being more what I like to say as proactive support coordination, so we help them learn about the plan, learn how to deal with NDIS, learn how to prepare for a plan review all those kind of things. The downside that I'm seeing at the moment is that plans are coming back with a lot less support coordination hours. And I don't know why this is happening. There must be something happening in DIS.
1: Is that because there are more diagnoses, if that's such a word, um, uh, now than there has been previously?
0: I don't know about that. I just think with NDIS at the moment, there's a big thing about the sustainability of the scheme. So they're going to clamp down... money. Yeah, yeah, they're going to clamp down on what's available in your plan. And with support coordination, I think it's going to bite them back mm. a bit in the butt because uh, we actually take a lot of work away from the local area coordinators and the planners because we filter a lot of questions before they, it even gets to the to um, the NDIS. Yeah. If you take us away, they're just going to get more questions, more concerns, more things they have to deal with yeah. with the agency. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next 12 months. Well,
1: someone who is someone who is challenged by their disability, whether it's autism or whether it's hearing or whatever it is, um, for them to have to deal direct with NDIS is, is, is an overwhelming experience uh, and you drown in bureaucracy. Um, to have you as the buffer between that makes perfect sense because you know the system. If you're coming in from outside, you don't know the system, how to work it, how, how it works.
0: Yeah, and I, we do this as a job, and we find it difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to imagine yeah. If it's not your job, and yeah. things change all the time, all the time. So something that was we might be looking at helping a participant do now, yeah, three months ago we probably couldn't do that. Vice versa. So yeah. it's, things change so quickly with NDIS.
1: Now, you've only been at Encompass for a short amount of time. You only started there this year. Yes,
0: yeah, so I was at Janu and I actually worked at the agency, NDIA, last right. year.
1: Right. So yeah. I was going to say, prior to that, you were actually inside the system.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know what it's like to be a participant. I know what it's like to work with the agency. I know what it's like to work as a provider yeah. with NDIS. That's,
1: oh, what a
0: real rounded experience. I was
1: going to say, that's a that's a really good place to be in, but it's also must be at times... Frustrated because you know what they're doing wrong, what they're doing wrong, and what they're doing wrong.
0: Yep, it really does. But that just drives me even more. Yeah, make sure we get the right outcomes for our participants.
1: So, what would you say to people who are trying, who are thinking of of coming to you and coming to Encompass with their disability to talk to you about how they go about getting some funding and getting into the NDIS system? Because I'm I'm assuming that once you're in the system, it kind of self moves along.
0: Yes or no. So if you're not with NDIA, so you don't actually have a plan or anything like that, then you need to apply yep. for NDIA. Um, the difficulty with that is that there's not a lot of support to help people apply yep. for NDIA. The best bet if you are somebody who wants to see if you're eligible for NDIA is actually contact the NDIA directly or contact the local area coordinator. Yep. They should be able to help you. If you are a participant and you are you have your own plan, but you want something like support coordination, but you don't have that, you need to go back to your planner and say, "I really need help for someone to help me figure out my plans and support." Does
1: this does this start when you in adulthood? Does it start at Does it start at ten years old? Does it start at twenty? When when does it actually start that? NDIS is part of what you need to be involved in.
0: Oh uh, so NDIS starts from from a young age. I'm not sure what the cutoff is, but you can be a five year old. Oh, okay. Um, so that will be you'll be in the early childhood early intervention part of the NDIS, it's a bit different in yeah. terms of what kind of supports you get. They tend to focus more on the capacity building, so that's more like getting the therapist on board to build those oh, okay. skills. Yeah. As you're a bit older, it could be more about having those core supports around you, which could be like, you know, having a support worker, um, doing group programs, helping you get um job, find employment, those kind of things. So yeah. in terms of age, it doesn't really matter. You just have to meet the criteria having a long-term disability.
1: Okay. Is, is the field widening for the, the employment possibilities for people who have disabilities? Is that becoming more of an open marketplace now where employers are, are actually acknowledging that people have something to offer, whereas before it would be in the too hard basket almost?
0: Yes or no. Um like there's great services out there that can help people with disabilities. Or so disability employment services are fantastic for that. In terms of employers being more open, look, we'll touch and go. Some uh, are great, some aren't so great. I think with COVID, um, the change, you know, working from home, all those kind of things, is been really good for people with disabilities. Yeah, um, it's opening up some more doors, and I think that's shifting the attitudes around that. So I think that's a really positive thing for people with disabilities and I hope things continue in that sense. I hope we don't just bounce back to what it was like before. So for me, for example, now everyone does video calls. Amazing. <laughs> so that is really good for me because <laughs> now I don't have to rely on people doing phone calls all the time. Yeah. So we should keep things like that up. Yeah. So we just, as long as we keep those things going.
1: But is, uh, your case is actually a, a, a really good example of how you've adapted with your disability in the workplace and made it work for you?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um, I'd never really identified as having disability yeah. like about a couple of years ago. Yeah, And it's, um, it's when I decided to come back into the workforce after having my kids, I was like, well, I actually need to change the way that I work because I can't do phones. I mean, I can to a degree, but I can't have a long conversation on a phone because I just can't hear everything.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and obviously COVID helped with that. Everyone's a bit more open to the...
1: The Zoom world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm just so very open and honest about it now. So in my email signature, I actually say. Saw that. Yeah. "Yeah, I'm hard of hearing. If you want to talk to me, organise a video call or email me. Just doing that has changed everything. Everyone's quite open and honest with me and are willing to change the way that they communicate with me. And that just changes everything. Sometimes it's not really my problem. <laughs> you know, some people mumble a lot and things yeah. like that. And, yeah. that, and um, that's taking a lot of internal work, I believe, to kind of be confident in my ability to, yeah. you know, it's okay if I work a little bit differently.
1: Is that is that something that we all should do? I mean, uh, autism being the one that I, I have a fair bit of knowledge about, um, that's always been hidden. You don't tell – now you do because then people understand – the things that you do and the the behaviours you have and the way you process information. Are we getting to a point where we're we're being more upfront about those things now because they're, A, more accepted and, B, people know more about them?
0: I hope so. I genuinely hope so. Um, I work in the disability sector, so obviously it's a lot more open and friendly in that situation. I can't speak for other sectors. I don't know, uh, but I hope so. I do believe we just need more advocates out there that we can visibly see a bit more so like growing up I didn't know anybody my age or anybody younger who had hearing loss who was deaf I had no deaf community around me whatsoever yeah um and so I do believe in that statement you can be what you can see yeah yeah so I think um I hope just me doing that is encouraging somebody else who will see my email and go oh maybe I should decide that to my email signature yeah say yes I have autism this is how you
1: you can't <laughs> be it if you can't see it yeah yeah
0: yeah, I think yeah. it's really important. So I, I really it. want to be that person. A, really
1: and sure. there's that other one where uh, I guess if it's a disability that isn't obvious in your physical appearance, which hearing obviously isn't, sight for the most part isn't, autism or, or being on the spectrum isn't, um, for the most part, uh, people don't understand, don't get it, and they then immediately judge you in a different way once they find out. So oh, well now I understand. It's that ignorance of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. People think I ignore them sometimes. I'm like, I'm never ignoring you. I literally just didn't hear you. Yeah. But they don't
1: know. Encompass um, is an organisation we've had a couple of the, um, the 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 staff on in in recent episodes. And there's a real uh, for me. There's a real uh, genuine empathy about the people who work there and and the care that they have for the people that they're working with and for their for, for the mission statement. I guess of the organisation. It seems to be a really nice organisation to work for.
0: They're great. Um, funnily enough, so I used to be an occupational therapist. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I did my placement at Encompass and I was trying to work out when it was. I think it would have been like two thousand and seven. So I already had that like I wasn't in there for two weeks, maybe. Yeah. So I already had that experience and I knew it was a good place back then. So when this job came up, I'm like, I oh, know that's a good place to work, so I'll apply for it. And it's great. Everyone has been so welcoming. Um Obviously, with the lockdowns that happened, I haven't been in the office, so I'm, yeah, I'm missing everybody a bit, yeah. but um, no, it's such a great place to work.
1: The connection that it has with, the, in particular, the Geelong community, which is where you live and where you, where you work, that connection is enormous, isn't it? And it's a really important fabric of that whole, the whole structure of both the organisation and of the community.
0: Yeah, we are definitely driven by community and we really want to build that community here in Wyndham. And so i um, trying to spend more time. Obviously, I haven't been obviously because of lockdown, but I'm trying to spend more time back here in Wyndham yep. to build a community around here because we're very good at building community. We yeah. really love our community. We know what we can do. So that's our focus now is trying to show Wyndham this is what we are about. We want to build this community around us. We want to help you to achieve whatever you want to achieve.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing too. There's there's no there's no limitations, is there? That's the the attitude is very much. It's a very much an open book.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm an example of that. I have a disability, but I get a I get by. I yep. adapt. And I think um, we just want to show our participants and all, everybody in our community that yes, you may have some challenges, but there's always a way around it.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's not a it's not a disability. It's a challenge. Yeah. And there are w- ways to work around it and ways to to make it work. Yep. Um. The kind of the future for you where you'll continue working in this space as a space obviously you get a lot of satisfaction, a lot of personal satisfaction out of working in.
0: Yeah, it really is. I really um we have a in Geelong we have a, a group of about sixty-six participants. Um as so we have a great team. I have three staff working for me. And now my focus is just to um, build a staff around a team in Wyndham. Yeah. Um, and hope to, to expand.
1: So tell us where that's based and where how that the the progress of the Wyndham part of it.
0: Yeah, well, we haven't actually done much promotion, um, and we're getting a steady stream of participants coming through. Um, Fairly enough, a lot of them have autism. Yeah, it's just been really interesting, and uh, one of my staff members has actually training autism, so this is really exciting for us. But I guess yeah, we're just trying to. Because we've been so hindered by the lockdowns at the moment that I yeah. um, don't really know where we're at at the moment, but we really, my focus is to obviously get out and about and, win and meet some people. And obviously with support coordination, we need to know what all the supports and services are around in the area. And obviously we've been doing lots of research in this area, yeah. what's available, what's not available. And I can see so many great services and I can also see some gaps. Um, so, I'm um, really, particularly in the autism space, I've noticed um, there's a there's few great ones out there, but there's still some things missing that are great to see pop up here. Yeah. So um, I also, there's a part of me that kind of goes, oh, what is the gap out here? What else could maybe encompass or something we could provide here as well? Yeah. And I know particularly with the lockdowns, um, there's lots of wait lists happening with services. So obviously the services are there, but you've got a six month wait list yeah. to get into these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So encompass is an not-for-profit organization which is a, a, another terrific thing about it and and you mentioned that that, that strength of community is a really really interesting uh, really ins- interesting and important part of it obviously yeah um, any any final message you'd like to give people about uh, what they should do to sort of get in touch with encompass to if they if they think they've got something that they need to have a chat to you about?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the best bet is to obviously go to our website first. So encompass-cs.org.au. That's yep. the best bet to find out what we offer. Um, if you want to contact me personally, send me an email. So plan out encompass-cs.org.au. Um, any questions about how to apply for NDS? I'm more than happy to have a chat with you about that. Yeah. Um, and how maybe if you want to look into how to get support coordination into your plan. If you don't have it, i can going to give you some advice on that as well.
1: Yeah. So when you when you develop the plan that you keep talking about, is that is that something that you get given by NDIS when you originally apply? Is that how that works? Yeah,
0: so the plan is basically the money that you, the NDIS give you. Okay. So it's essentially a document that says these are your goals and this is the money that we're going to give you to help you achieve those goals. And so then
1: then you have the ability to spend that how you want to spend it which is where we come and talk to you and say, and you'll go, well, I think you need to use 10 parts of it for this, 10 parts of it for occupational therapy, 10 parts for education. So
0: it comes in different categories. So there's core supports, which is basically your day-to-day supports. Could be getting a support worker, getting a cleaner in, those things, maybe buying some low-cost consumables, which can be things like um, continence pads, yeah. for example. And yeah. um, then you have your capacity building support. So they're going to be your therapists. So it's going to be your OTs, your speeches, etc. cetera. Us, support coordination comes under that area too. Yeah. And then you got your capital, which is more your higher cost items, such as home modification and assistive technology, like wheelchairs and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So you have these different categories and yep. you have X amount of money in these categories. And our role as support coordination is to go, okay, you have this amount, How do you want to spend that? How much do you want to spend on a cleaner versus a support worker, et cetera? You may have 50 hours for therapists. So do you want an OT and a speech? How many hours? And then we'll find the OT.
1: Yep.
0: We'll find it. Oh, okay. So so we'll go find OTs for you. You might find three or four options and go, this is what you've got. This, guy, this one has a wait list for six months. This one has a wait list for three months. What do you want to do? Yeah. We do all that. So yeah. we help connect to those supports, to all that paperwork stuff, and then keep track of the spending. Yeah. So you may run out of money. It happens a lot. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so we that's ha- life. <laughs> yeah, it is life. It is life. And then we help them prepare for their new plan. So you may have a plan that lasts 12 months to two years, three years. So when you get up to that point where you're about your plan's about to expire, you have what we call a plan review. So you have a meeting with the NDIS planner and you talk about how things are going, what you need the money for, what supports you need, et cetera. Our role as support coordinator is to help you with that plan review and help you kind of advocate for your needs.
1: If you have a lifetime disability, does your NDS support you for a lifetime or do you have to go back and, and reapply Again and again? How does, how no, does that work? No, so
0: once you're in, you're in. Okay. Um, but you will get a new plan. So the plan, you may find, for some people, the needs, your needs may reduce over time.
1: Yeah, okay. It may
0: be the other way around. So um, there are definitely, NDIS definitely pushing for longer plans, so for like a three year plan. Yeah. As a support coordinator, I don't encourage that because things can happen and we just don't know. Look at the
1: last, the last two years the dynamic of the last 2 years for people um, uh, changed enormously
0: absolutely and it's i can see why ndis are doing it yeah. um
1: it's it's less for them to do i guess
0: yeah yeah absolutely but it's it's so it's difficult to talk about it in a general sense because it's so different per person
1: yeah well that's the beauty of dealing with someone like yourself and with encompass is that you do it on a case by case basis it's not one size fits all it is this one's different to this one to this one, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think my OT background really helped because I can really look at the whole environment and what's going on and say this is this person, is this is the supports they have, just their informal supports, like do they have carers around them that can help them, all those kind of things. Yeah. What are their needs are? So um, with my team, I have... Th- two support coordinators and, and admin staff, I give them weekly supervision. So I will, each week I'll catch up with them and go over their individual caseload with them. Yeah. And they may have some, uh, they might not be sure what to do next. Maybe someone's about to run out of funds or there's a certain situation that's happened and I can help work through that issue with them to make sure that participant gets the best out of their plan. Yeah. So that's really important for me with my staff that I give them that extra support. can be a really stressful job. It can be yeah. really stressful.
1: Oh, yeah, I can imagine.
0: Yeah, so particularly dealing with NDIS. Yeah. So um, that's something I'm really proud of myself on with my team. I give them that extra support each week. They have that chance to debrief with me, but also just go through the individual caseload. If there's something they're really stuck with, we can talk about it. Yeah.
1: No, it's fantastic. It's a great service and uh, do a terrific job and look forward to seeing uh, much more of you in the Wyndham area.
0: Yeah, me too. I hope I'm here more so we don't get locked down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much for your time, Kate.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: It is terrific work that Kate does and uh, terrific work that Encompass does. And very easy to contact them if you want to find out more about it. Of course, the website, which Kate mentioned, encompass-cs.org.au. They're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, and they're on the phone as well. You know, that old-fashioned thing. double three double seven. that's the number down in Geelong. Uh, give them a call and have a chat about uh, any questions you have. They're uh, all too happy to answer. Of course, just jump on the website. That's probably the best place to start to find out uh, exactly what you need to know about Encompass. We thank them for their support of the Talking Wyndham podcast. We thank Kate for her time and we wish them all the best and hope they continue to do the great work that they've been doing in Geelong and uh, terrific that they're bringing that to the City of Wyndham now. encompass CS or give them a call on 52 Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast go to the uh, Committee for Wyndham uh, Facebook page or the website and you'll be able to find previous episodes uh, of this podcast that uh, you might enjoy might learn something uh, that's going on in the City of Wyndham. Until then, take care look after yourself and we'll see you next time on the Talking Wyndham podcast
0: Thanks for listening Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.